Cad, and welcome to the Crime Chat-ta-ta. <laughs> I'm your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two girls who order it shaken, not stirred, baby. Yeah, we do. Shake it up, shake, shake. We are obsessed with dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. Here is your disclaimer. The following crime chat contains adult content, descriptions of potentially violent scenarios, your listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Before we get into today's crime chat, have you done anything exciting in the last week? Well, nope, not really. Uh, we're still watching In From the Cold. Um, it's really good spy stuff. So we're watching that and then I started kind of getting myself back caught up with The Walking Dead because in a couple weeks, well actually by the time this comes out, it'll already be out part two of the final season. I can't wait. Of The Walking Dead. Yeah, I, I stopped watching it maybe like two seasons ago, mm -hmm. but I love The Walking Dead. Yes. And actually, Chris and I, I think we were going to start it over again. Oh. When you go back and you watch like the beginning ones, you're like, oh, Carl, he's so little. I know. I know. But that first episode is probably one of my favorite episodes of all time because yeah. it's just a great episode. It is. It really is. It kind of throws you for a loop and... I mean, and I could see why that caught so many people. It was like, yeah, that first episode was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Hey, dumbass, you in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but I am so, what about, well, what about you? I am really just reorganizing my life right now. <laughs> I am trying to declutter and uh, I've been staging my place because there's a, a move in my future. So, yay. It's exciting, new and fresh, but. Damn, I collect a lot of stuff. Right? Holy crap. That was a good thing. Probably the only good thing about moving so much when I was in the military is because it gave you a chance to be like, okay, don't need this. Don't use that. Why do I have this? Give this away. You know, sell this. Uh-huh. Gotcha. You know, every move was kind of like a refresh because you really, at least for me, like, and especially now, like, I am not a fan of moving. We are literally moving one more time to Florida. Yeah. That will be our death house. <laughs> so, like, I mean, in... It's just moving is such a chore. I know. But at least you're reorganizing, getting things kind of situated. That just, it's such a, well, I was going to say it's such a big chore. <laughs> In itself, it really is. I know. And I think I have like really nice stuff, but I know when the realtor comes in to stage it, she's going to be like, nope, nope. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really, really, really excited about your story today. Uh, I don't really know what it's about. My homework, if you chatters were listening last week, was to figure out just some like road facts, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. We want to keep it authentic. So yeah. I don't know what your story is. I didn't read ahead mm -hmm. I didn't read the script I just put my stuff in there so one of the things that I was looking up was like the differences on highways freeways driveways so on like um and it kind of reminded me of that old riddles like why do you drive on a parkway and park on a driveway yes right yeah well let's talk about first what they are so I found an actually super simple description mm -hmm. from a Reddit post about what distinguishes the difference between what they are and everything. But then it's a blog and we don't know the authenticity of it, right? right? So I did bounce that off of our, our friend, the Encyclopedia Britannica. A road is a traveled way on which people, animals, or wheeled vehicles move. The earliest roads developed paths and trails and appeared with the invention of wheeled vehicles about 3000 BC. Road systems 
Plains were developed to facilitate trade in early civilizations, and we kind of knew that too, right? As far back as we know in our nation too, like roads were used to, for trade purposes and everything, and then came railroads and everything like that. Mm-hmm. The first major road extended 1,500 miles from the Persian Gulf, or actually it's the Arabian Gulf. Persians don't like the fact that it's... <laughs> so the first major road extended 1,500 miles from the Arabian Gulf to the Mediterranean Sea. And this was used as early as 3,500 BC, which I thought was crazy, like didn't had no idea. The Romans used the roads to maintain control of their empire with over 53,000 miles of roadways across the whole Roman Empire. Roman construction techniques and, and designs remained the most advanced until the late 1700s. And I don't really know why, but that's just what it says. <laughs> In the early 19th century, the invention of macadam road construction provided quick and durable method for building roads and asphalt and concrete also began to be used to help with the roads to like help it smooth it out right mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than driving down especially around here in the south we got all kinds of dirt roads <laughs> everywhere it's <laughs> nothing worse than driving on a dirt road i'm so bougie right <laughs> Uh, motorized traffic in the 20th century led to the Limited Access Highway, which was first parkway in New York City in 1925. Superhighways also appeared in Italy and Germany in the 1930s, and then up in the 1950s, the U.S. Interstate Highway System was inaugurated to link the country's major cities together. Do you know who that was? No. President that was Eisenhower. Aw, okay. A highway is a major road, usually in rural areas, but more recently, a rural or urban road where points of entrance and exits for traffic are limited and controlled. They're paved and most of the time maintained by federal or local governments. Basically, it's your normal, like, main road is a highway. Mm-hmm. An expressway, also called a thoroughway, throughway, parkway, freeway, superhighway, or motorway. All of those things mean the same thing. Okay. I was kind of surprised by that. But basically, it's a major arterial area, like the heart, the central of the divided highway that features two or more traffic lanes. So in order to be classified as one of those, has to have two or more traffic lanes that go one way, like the same way. So a four-lane highway, right? Or four, yeah. Okay. Expressway, whatever. So with the two or more traffic lanes in each direction, has opposing traffic separate also by a median so you need to have a median in the middle of it Mm -hmm. there's an elimination of grade crossing controlled entries and exits and advanced designs eliminating steep grades sharp curves and other hazards and inconveniences of driving now a turnpike is a type of expressway which is a toll road Ah. when i lived up in new jersey they're everywhere yeah the turnpike turnpike yeah new jersey turnpike i I used to say tolls make me angry like like, why do i have to pay for this (laughs) it should be me Maintained by the local government. Isn't that what taxes are for? Mm-hmm. That's what I used to say. I'm like, tolls make me angry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were called turnpikes because they were barred by a pike or a pole balanced and swinging on a post. So it allowed entry and exit based on the toll that you paid. Mm-hmm. So when the traveler paid their toll, the pike was turned parallel to the road and then the toll payer would pass through. So that's the reason why it's called a turnpike. So when I lived up north, because New York is separated into like islands, mm-hmm. so Manhattan's an island, Staten Island's an island, you know, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the Farazana was very expensive. It was $15 to get over one way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But the interesting part is my friend at the time, her husband worked for the uh, Port Authority, and he said that technically you can you can pass and get a ticket. Like you don't have to pay. If you, if you decide not to pay and just drive through, mm-hmm. they're going to give you a ticket and you're going to have to show up at court. 
work. However, you can say, you're giving me a lack of egress from an island. You're not allowed to charge me. And the judge has to, at that point, throw it out. Oh. Yeah. That's a great point. I never thought of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's a little crime chat fun fact. <laughs> uh, well, because this is a crime chat, we're not just talking about roads. I looked up some stats on crimes that also have happened on the roads. Oh, where we're okay. going, we don't need roads. <laughs> it just reminded me of that, right? So I had, there was some key insights from the Zebra, which is an auto insurance company, and they had kind of some really good things mm-hmm. thrown together also from like the National Highway Traffic Safety Board, uh, American Automobile Association, that kind of thing. So a couple little quick tidbits here. In 2019, 82% of people admitted to committing an act of road rage in the last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised, actually. 82%. A total of 12,610 injuries and 218 murders were attributed to road rage over a seven-year period in the U.S. Oh my god. I don't know if you're going to get into road rage at all, but this is kind of what it's around. 66% of traffic fatalities are caused by aggressive driving. Uh-huh. Road rage has been responsible for about 300 deaths since 2013. Over a seven-year time period, more than 200 murders and 12,000 injuries were also attributed to road rage. This one is from the American Automobile Association. 30 murders annually are linked to road rage. Uh, I, we have a problem. We have a problem. I know, right? I know. Yeah. Be less angry, people. Kind of as a side note, one of the other things I read is over the last two years, it has had a bit of a decline because of COVID. So people aren't driving as mon- much anymore. But there, as you're well aware, there's been an increase in abuse and child abuse and other yes. things because people aren't yeah. locked down. Yeah. So half of drivers, 50%, respond to careless acts of others by behaving aggressively themselves so like let's say you get cut off because somebody's not paying attention how many times have you flipped that person off as you <laughs> whiz by mm-hmm. right and i can see that 50 percent. you either do something or you don't i guess i don't know 94 percent of traffic af- <laughs> traffic african traffic african <laughs> That's a new word. That's a cat is <laughs> Traffic efficant. Um, okay. Like I have, a, I have a lisp. I don't have a lisp. <laughs> 94% of traffic accidents are caused by driver error. 37% of aggressive driving incidents involve a firearm. That's a lot higher than I thought, but I guess, yeah. right? <laughs> aggressive driving played a role in 56% of fatal crashes from 2003 to 2007. And then the last one is a, is a quote from CNN. 500% increase in reported cases of road rage over the last 10 years. That's an epidemic. Yeah, it is. It really is. Like, chill out, people. I mean, I kind of get that way. And a lot of times people are late, so they're running behind. And what's the worst when you're already late? You get stuck in traffic or you get stuck behind somebody who's doing like 30 and a 45 or something like that, right? That's going to happen. And I don't know. I just, a lot of it, again, kind of goes back to that driver error. Yeah. That's where most of the accidents happen. Yeah. I don't know if that helps, but does that help set the stage for uh, your road crimes for today? Oh, that definitely helps set the stage for for my story today. Okay, good. Before we get started, let's take a little word from our sponsor this week. Hey, chatters. Chris here. I finally got the mic from Nat and Cat, and wanted to give a huge shout out to today's sponsors, The Suspicious Squad Shop. Plus, let you in on some sweet deals happening at the store with a 15% discount code that I may or may not have acquired from your true crime host. But before we get to that, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor. 
This shop is inspired by none other than the murder, mystery, makeup queen herself, Bailey Sarian. With some true crime fun to top it off. This store was created to support the Suspicious Squad LLC Facebook group, which is a group that encourages and motivates its members of murder, mystery, and makeup fans with a positive environment, where there's also monthly prizes and giveaways. And who don't like a good prize and giveaway? If you're into true crime, makeup, or just a positive atmosphere, be sure to check out the group and the awesome store. Speaking of the store, Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and now's the perfect time to shop for that special someone, husband, wife, friend, family member, or even that person you aren't really sure of, because who don't have a couple of them in their life? There is something for everyone, from your cozy fuzzy socks to love-inspired silverware. From your feet to how you eat, they got you covered. You can even find lingerie and handcuffs, which sadly, I was told, are sold separately. However, they can ship them together because they play well together. With plenty more to offer, don't miss out on the fun. Stop by, check it out at www.facebook.com forward slash the suspicious squad shop. And be sure to use that discount code crime chat. And we're back. Okay, Kat, I have a disclaimer before I get into my story. Okay. This story is not meant to slander any families of the victims. Mm-hmm. I will share the reported facts as I know them. And I will also mention some theories. My condolences go out to all the families that have been affected by this tragic accident. Today, I'll be covering the Tyconic State Parkway crash. Have you ever heard of it? I don't think so. I mean, maybe if you talk about the story, maybe it'll ring some bells. Yeah, it will. It was, it was all over the news. Okay, so on July 26th of 2009, 36-year-old Diane Schuler drove the wrong way down the Tyconic State Parkway in New York. This caused a collision that killed eight people, including herself. The circumstances behind it and the theories are frustrating, to say the least, okay? So let's get started. Diane was born on November 13th, 1972 in Floral Park, New York to Warren and Eileen Hands. She had four older brothers. When she was nine, her mom just got up and left, said nothing, just never came back home. I'm going to the store for milk. Yeah. That was 14 years ago. I know, I know. This was really hard on her and the family, but everybody would say this did not weigh her down. She didn't dwell on it. However, she didn't talk about it either, not even with her husband years later. Okay. That's to me troubling. Yeah. Her sister-in-law, Jay Schuler said that uh, she didn't speak about it. That made her want to be there for her own kids and be a good mom. Sure. Her mother later tried to salvage the relationship during the years, but Diane at that point cut her off completely. Understandable. Yep, very much so. She was married to a man named Daniel Schuler. They had two kids, a daughter named Erin, who was two, and a son named Brian, who was five. Daniel described her as an outstanding mother, hard worker, a reliable person. Everyone who knew her said she was trustworthy, dependable, and kept her family and home life well organized. She cared for the kids and she adored them. So yeah, right now she sounds like a good mom. Sure, yeah. And everybody described her as a good mom. Now, her being a good mom, a trustworthy and reliable person is an important part of this story because it makes the case crazy and it kind of makes what happened really unimaginable. Mm. Diane and Daniel lived in West Babylon on Long Island, New York. Diane worked during the day as the director of billing and collections at Cablevision 
region, Daniel worked at night as a security officer for the Parks Department. So they really didn't get to see each other during the week. The daily responsibilities were left for Diane to do. She was the one who took care of the kids and the house. Diane and Daniel decided to get away for a little weekend camping trip where they can unwind and get some family time. They also invited their three nieces, Diane's older brother, Warren, his three kids, nine-year-old Emma, seven-year-old Allison, and five-year-old Katie. In the past, like this whole family would go on these little weekend excursions and they would have a great time and camping was, you know, something you do with younger kids so they can kind of run free and stuff. Yeah, yeah. However, it's really important at this time to mention that Diane didn't always go on these trips, Mm -hmm. maybe because she used it as a break from the family. There is a theory here and I will mention it later on. I mean, work full-time, mom full-time. I mean, it stressors. Yeah, yeah, there there are definitely a couple of stressors here. So uh, Warren and his wife, Jackie, would not be going on this trip either. Warren and Jackie trusted Diane and Daniel. They knew her once again as a loving, super supportive mom over all the kids, over the entire family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Diane got to her brother's house to pick up the three nieces, she decided to borrow Warren's minivan for the weekend. It was a 2003 Ford Windstar minivan. She was traveling with five kids and figured the minivan would be more comfortable. I could totally agree. Absolutely. (laughs) Daniel would not be driving with them. He took his pickup truck so he could bring the family dog along for the trip. They got on the road and headed to Hunter Lake Campground in New York. I know that campground. Do you? And now is that that near the city? No. No. Okay. I'm just wondering. So uh, my family had land on Cayuga Lake up in the Five Finger Lakes area in upstate New York. So there's camping. It's not, it wasn't like an actual like park or campground. We would just go Mm -hmm. like camp out there. But the name of the road that goes down is John Brown Drive, which is my granddad. Really? Yeah. Yep. How did that happen? They sold the property. Like they sold the land and everything. But like once, I guess because it got its own address and everything, it was, there's nobody else had owned that land before so they got to name the road and they named it after my grandpa (laughs) and it's still there like we went up there that's really cool a couple summers ago and i went by and i took a picture of it it says john brown drive very cool so now this camping site is a lot of fun i'll i'll have pictures on the patreon of their trip but they have like the campgrounds had little chalets and then you can kind of hook up your camper to it Mm -hmm. they have so many options that you could you or you can just camp outside in a tent it was just a beautiful and the weekend was fun. Did they have? Did they bring a camper or did they have tents? How like how were they camping? They had their camper was already there, hmm. so they have. They, I guess they rented a camper that was already stationed at that spot. Yeah. Okay. So they just rented the camper and like the ca- the site. Like most campers do. Like most campgrounds, you kind of own the camper and then you leave it there because you're renting it. Mm-hmm. You're releasing the little piece of property. The weekend was fun. They went hiking. They went swimming. Toasted some marshmallows, which sounds good right about now. Mm. S'mores. S'mores. It was a great little weekend. It was a nice getaway until it was time to go home. On Sunday, July 26th, Daniel woke up around 6 a.m. to start cleaning up the campsite and packing. He woke up Diane and the kids around 7 so they could help him out with the cleanup and then they can get on the road to beat the traffic. Daniel and Diane had a quick cup of coffee in the morning before Daniel got his pickup with the dog and Diane got in the minivan with five kids and they left the campground around 9.30 a.m. On the way back, Diane Diane stopped in Liberty at a McDonald's 
calls at 9.56 a.m. The security footage showed the kids eating and playing in the area. Diane got herself a large OJ during the entire time she was behaving normal. The footage showed that she had a full conversation with the employee at the uh, counter. Later on, the employee confirmed that she was completely fine. They were just stopping there for a quick bite to eat before they got on the road. Mm -hmm. Now, at 10.33 a.m., they stopped at a Sunoco gas station, and Diane allegedly asked the employee for an over-the-counter pain pill, which they didn't have. On the video footage, once again, you can see her acting completely normal, mm -hmm. but this was a frame-by-frame -frame video. It wasn't a video. It wasn't a full streaming video. It was like picture to picture to picture. Okay. So it's very hard to judge if she was acting differently. Have you ever had a case like that where the, the surveillance was frame to frame? Yeah. So a lot of times they'll do it and it's, and that's all video is, mm -hmm. right? Video is just our pictures that happen really, 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 really fast mm -hmm. and capture it. So the speed depends on the actual capture of like the surveillance camera. So if you don't want to spend mm -hmm. too much money and get like a higher end that goes really, really fast, a lot of times for, you know, for gas stations or whatever, they'll get one that's a little bit slower and that captures like once every two seconds or once every second or something like that. Right. Oh, like a stutter. Like it showed her yep. like every, it missed a step when she was walking to the back. Yeah, exactly. So no, I say allegedly because it is disputed if she asked for painkillers the sunoco employee provided the surveillance footage but refused to make a comment or a statement the only reason why we know this is because tom ruskin who was a private investigator the Schulers hired to find out what happened that day mm -hmm. there was no formal statement of her going in it was just tom ruskin saying oh she probably went in for a painkiller oh. it, it was just weird and for some reason that statement stuck and that storyline stuck to it okay tom ruskin he seemed to be like running around with these conspiracies, but then he was later caught defrauding an airline posing as a travel agent. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So mm. those private investigators, they're sneaky, cheeky little fellas. Yes. And he was also like the front man. So when you watch the news on it, you'll see Tom Ruskin everywhere. I mean, he was just getting his 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. At 10.58 a.m., she headed south on Interstate 86. And this is when things get weird. Okay. So that she just stopped really quick, popped in, asked for something, didn't make a purchase, and left. Okay. Yes. Police started getting calls from motorists reporting that someone in a red minivan was swerving in and out of lanes, tailgating, and beeping at people really aggressively. Road rage. Uh-huh. One of the couples said that she actually ran them off the road. Wow. In a van full of kids. In a van full of kids. At 11.45 a.m., the same couple reported that they saw the same minivan at the nearby rest stop. So when you're on these interstates, like, that's what they have. They have these mm -hmm. rest stops that have the little stores, the gas stations, everything you need. Right. You will see the same cars on the road and at the rest stop. Yes, of course. They stated that Diane was out of the car, bent over with the hands on her knees, and she was, like, she was going to vomit. Wow. There were multiple witnesses of her behavior here. Now, Kat... I, this is just like, because I'm getting chills when I hear this. Mm -hmm. I did try to look for if these witnesses noticed that there were kids in the car. Mm -hmm. it, nobody said that they were kids in the car. They just saw her acting oh. weirdly outside of the car. If you saw kids in the car and you saw the driver acting that way, I mean, I would totally walk up and say, is everything okay? Sure. You know, do you want me to call somebody? Yeah. Um, but nobody did that. So, so I don't know if they saw the kids. This is kind of giving me The Happening vibes. You know that movie, The Happening with Mark Wahlberg? Yes. <laughs> Am I spooking you out right now? Yes. 
Okay, good. At 11.37, Diane's brother, Warren, gets a call from his daughter, Emma. She told him that they were running a little bit late. Warren stated nothing seemed to be amiss. Everything was fine. Warren briefly spoke to Diane and stated that she was fine at the time. So he didn't get any weird vibes or anything like that. Okay. Nope. Once again, the same witness that saw her at the rest stop saw her again on the interstate driving totally erratically. Mm -hmm. At 12.08 p.m., Warren's wife, Jackie, called Diane to ask her a quick question about Emma's school show. I guess they were buying tickets to watch her in a play. Mm -hmm. Once again, nothing is wrong. Diane is fine on the phone. The timeline is freaky, too, because it is back to back to back. It's like everything happens really quickly. It seems someone driving from, you know, where she started and know where she was, the direction she was going in. So the timeline also seemed to be like, you know, the timeline kind of lined up, I guess. Yeah, and remember. They left at 9.30 a.m. and they were about an hour and a half away. So now we're at 12.08. Yeah. 12.58, Diane calls Jackie and the call lasted about two and a half minutes before Jackie either hangs up the phone or the phone call drops. This was the first time Jackie said that Diane seemed fairly out of it on the phone. Warren at that point was walking past when the phone call ended mm -hmm. uh, and he called Diane back. The call lasted about eight minutes. Mm -hmm. And Warren could not figure out what was happening at the time. And he said that the kids were clearly upset in the background and frightened. Mm -hmm. It is believed that Diane pulled over for this eight minutes okay. when she spoke to her brother for a couple of reasons. Uh, during the conversation, Emma, his daughter, did get on the phone to speak to her dad. Uh, Warren reported that Emma was clearly upset, but she kept on saying, it's okay. Everything is okay. But dad, there's something wrong with Auntie Diane. Mm. Emma told her dad on the phone, Aunt Diane can't see properly. She can't speak properly. Warren asked Emma where they were. She told them that she could see signs for Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown exit. Mm -hmm. Emma then put Diane on the phone and Diane was telling him that she was feeling really disoriented and he realized she wasn't making a lot of sense on the call. She repeatedly called him her husband's name, Daniel. Diane kept on saying things like, we're just having fun. We're just laying. And the whole time he can hear the children in the background crying obviously not having fun not playing <laughs> oh gosh got chills already i know <laughs> warren told diane stay put he is coming to get them mm -hmm. immediately but when he said this diane hung up the phone warren tried to call her back multiple times but there was no answer it would later be discovered that after hanging up with warren diane actually left her phone on the side of the highway before driving off again mm, threw it out the window or whatever okay threw it out the window or something yeah okay so warren rushed out of the house and jackie along with some friends started calling 911 they believe Diane was having some sort of medical emergency. Okay, yeah. I have a family here that thinks that they might have a medical emergency of their sister. There's three kids in the car. Five, so they're trying to locate her. Just after 1.30 p.m., Diane made a sharp right turn from Plainsville Road onto the exit ramp of the Tyconic State Parkway. Now, at the bottom of this exit ramp, there are two big signs on both sides of the road. Mm -hmm. Both signs are really bright. You know what these signs look like. They're big, they're bright, and they're very clear. Yeah. One of them says, do not enter, and the other one says, one way. Yep. Diane was now traveling the wrong way on a two to four lane highway. Within one minute, 911 received four different calls. Mm. I mean, this... This must have been crazy. Hey, police, nine one one. Yeah, you got a guy driving southbound northbound to Connick Walkway. He's going like a battle to help. Hey, police, nine one one. Hey, police, you got a northbound to Connick. Is there anything in the right lane going southbound? Nine one one. Hi, I'm at the Connick Expressway. We just passed uh, a 100 exit 
People who witnessed the car driving past them stated that she was unresponsive. When cars were swerving, trying to get out of her way, they stated that she had like this blank look on her face and she was completely zoned out, like in a trance. Mm -hmm. As though she had no idea she was traveling the wrong way on the parkway. Mm. So Diane drove south onto northbound traffic at 85 miles an hour for 1.7 miles. That's far. Mm -hmm. Until she finally collided in a head-on collision at 1.35 p.m. She was going 85 miles an hour at the time of impact. somebody going 85 miles an hour and you hit somebody who's also going a, a higher speed the impact is going to be higher uh-huh. even if they're only doing 20 miles an hour your impact is going to be as if you hit something at 105 yeah. miles an hour and not just what your actual speed is that's why even sometimes like going 30 miles an hour if you hit somebody else head-on going 30 miles an hour that's 60 mile an hour impact yes Ooh. um she crashed head-on into a 2004 chevrolet trailblazer mm-hmm. the trailblazer hit another car a 2002 Chevrolet truck. After the impact, the minivan spun off the road, rolled over, and went down an embankment. There were tons of witnesses who pulled over to help the kids and Diane get out of the car. The kids did not get ejected from the car, and the car was starting to burn Mm. and catch fire. Mm -hmm. The police noted that none of the kids were wearing their (gasps) seatbelts because all their bodies were piled up on each other inside the minivan. Yeah. So 36-year-old Diane, her daughter, 2-year-old Erin, her three nieces, 9-year-old Emma, 7-year-old Allison, 5-year-old Katie, were all dead. Mm. EMS on the scene reported that one of her nieces didn't immediately die. They actually died later at the hospital, later on in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Her son, Brian, wasn't located right away because he was found trapped under the other bodies of the four children. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was immediately rushed to the hospital and he did end up surviving. He suffered two broken legs, severe head trauma. He also developed ocular motor nerve palsy, which is like, uh, it affects the movement of your eye. Mm -hmm. And he stayed in the hospital for a few months. This kid was in bad shape. Sure. Bad shape. Yeah. I mean, any kind of, I guess, the head trauma and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's lucky he survived. I'm surprised any of them survived. I know. The trailblazer that Diane glided headfirst into was mangled on the side of the road. Sure. The three men in the vehicle were killed on impact. Um, that was 81 Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son, Guy Bastardi, and a friend, Dan Longo, 74 years old. Wow. The three men were on their way to a family member's house, but unfortunately, they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. The other two people in the third vehicle that was hit uh, sustained minor injuries. They were fine, thank God. Okay. Obviously, the families of everyone involved were just devastated. Sure. So many lives were lost so quickly, so senseless. Yeah. The memorial for Diane and the four children were he- held on 
on July 30th. People all over traveled in to attend because it was just so, such a big accident. It was huge. Yeah. I will post on the Patreon the actual video that helicopters were flying by mm -hmm. trying to get a vision of what was going on. But mm -hmm. the police at the time were holding up sheets sure. because it was just, it, I, yeah. The bodies. Yeah. Yeah. However, okay, so this is where the story gets a little frustrating. The family continued to say that she was an amazing mom, an incredible person, and a wonderful wife, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But a lot of the people in the public and the media was speculating at this point that Diane may have been drinking or on drugs or something like that because people just don't randomly speed 80 miles an hour, swerving down the road, going the wrong way on a highway, let's face it, okay? M most people follow the signs uh, and, you know, or even if it's a mistake, you don't speed yeah. like that you'd maybe pull over or try to get help or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, there are so many reasons to stop. Mm -hmm. A lot of people right. reported that it was just so scary to watch it happen because when she was flying down that road, mm -hmm. you're either waiting for an impact or waiting to yep. hear something or, you know. And that's the worst sound when you hear the tires screeching and then you hear the, <sighs> you know, metal and glass and mm -hmm. Like you hear the accent. That's like one of the worst sounds. I hate hearing that. Yeah, yeah. During this time, the family was actually adamant about this narrative sure. to protect her reputation mm -hmm. and refused to acknowledge anything else. But investigators then found a broken bottle of vodka on the driver's side door. Oh. Yeah. On August 4th, a toxicology report came out and it turns out she had a blood alcohol level of 0.19%. Wow. The New York legal limit is 0.08%. Yeah, the point zero eight percent is um, I think it's most states. Yeah. It is here too. Yeah. Yeah. It's common. Mm -hmm. So what is that? Like one drink? Yeah. So it depends on your metabolism and food that you've eaten. And mm -hmm. She was more than twice the legal limit. Uh, the medical examiner reported that she had more than 10 drinks of alcohol in her system and six grams of alcohol in her stomach that had not been absorbed into her bloodstream yet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right? They also found a high level or high amount of THC, which is the active ingredient in marijuana in her system at the time of collision, which mm -hmm. indicated that she had possibly smoked 15 minutes before or within the hour. They were able to kind of pinpoint, I guess, how much T THC was in the system mm -hmm. and how it how it kind of breaks down in your system to kind of say, yeah, well, it was definitely within the hour, but it could have been within 15 minutes. Well, uh, my, th my theory is that she bought something from the gas attendant because that's a possibility especially if she goes up and says do you have anything for pain we don't sell it here but the uh, you know i'll meet you outside or something you know what i mean like i I've, I've got something that i can sell you i don't know right and he never made a comment or statement so right exactly. you never know exactly you never know that's my theory. Okay. So four days after the report came out on August 8th, Daniel, okay. the husband and his attorney did a press conference. And I do have a video of that as well. Okay. They, they stated that Diane was not a drinker, did not do any drugs. He stated during the press conference, and I quote, I go to bed every night with my heart clear. She did not drink. Something medically had to happen. So he mm. was saying a medical emergency had to be taken place. And that's why this horrible thing happens. Well, I, I mean, but toxicology doesn't lie either so mm -hmm. daniel later changed the story and said that she never drank to excess she drank but not that much but she 
definitely didn't drink the day she was driving. Like that was his story. Mm -hmm. So he was spinning it. Uh, people speculated that he was unaware of her drinking habits. Sure, if they don't see each other a whole lot. Right. He was not home at night. And a lot of people stated that she was always on the go, stressed. And some people also stated that Daniel was like a third kid. <laughs> yeah. So the family did order other reports. You know, instead of that toxicology report, they ordered their own. Mm -hmm. But all of them confirmed the original toxicology report. Uh, and the broken bottle of vodka is an essential piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. You can't dispute that. You just can't. Right. Now, HBO released a documentary called There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. Have you seen it? Oh. Oh, no, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that or see if I could find it. It's on YouTube. Oh, it is. Okay. I mm, I watched the whole thing. And let me tell you something. There was a moment that's very odd to me. I'm looking it up right now. So in one of the interviews, a family member was smoking. She was smoking a cigarette. And she told the interviewer, mm -hmm. no one in her family knows she smokes. Her husband, her mother, her father, nobody, her brother, nobody knows. But here she is in her house smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. That to me is just preposterous. Of course they know. Or is this the type of family that just kind of ignores stuff? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they know and they're just choosing to ignore it. There are too many families like that. Yeah. So the HBO documentary is not my favorite. I have to be honest. So when you watch it, you're going to, you're probably going to have the same feeling. Okay. That I have, although it gave insight to the Schuler family, the storyline seems to be biased, favoring the family. Mm. It did not dive into Diane's past trauma or any other possibilities that could have led to her being intoxicated that day. Most of it was trying to actually refute the actual evidence they found. It leaves you with more questions than answers. And I hate documentaries that do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't want to say, I guess that's what they get paid for, but... <laughs> Yeah. So now witnesses on the campground that day that she left also stated they had a conversation with Diane and she seemed to be mm -hmm. fine. To think that she smoked a joint and drank 10 drinks before driving five kids is unthinkable, obviously. Sure. Yeah. People would say, I don't even know how she would sneak 10 shots without people noticing, which to me is not entirely accurate because a fully functioning alcoholic can present themselves without detection, depending on the person that they speak to. Absolutely. Remember when I mentioned what she ordered while she was at McDonald's? The orange juice? Right. No food, just a large OJ. Right. And last time I checked, vodka and OJ went pretty well together, girl. Love some screwdrivers. Yeah, I got shaken, not stirred. <laughs> Family went on. Larry King and Oprah mm -hmm. to defend Diane's name, push the narrative that she was a good mother and that she would never drive intoxicated. This came across to the public as an insensitive dismissal of fault while avoiding the undeniable evidence. Uh, this actually uh, caused the victims' families a lot of pain. Like they were really struggling. Sure. And it was hard to watch them get so much airtime mm -hmm. to just push this narrative. Because those vic I mean, those, you know, the three gentlemen that were in the trailblazer, they were on their way to see family members. They never made it. And then now those family members, anytime this comes up, knowing that they were killed by a drunk driver mm -hmm. who's trying to defend themselves, you know, defend her. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I just, I fall back to toxicology doesn't lie. It, no. It is what it is.
because when you go back and you, you prove that people are humans and have feelings, mm -hmm. science is, is what it is. Yes, yeah. Uh, the police, the investigators did not make any mistake. These people were on point on what happened. Right. And, you know, they hired other doctors to do other reports. Even them, they wouldn't mess with it. They were like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is accurate. Mm -hmm. Family displayed this put your blinders on level of denial when faced with the facts. Mm -hmm. As well as Daniel changing his story regarding Diane, initially stating that Diane rarely drank and never did drugs. He then changed it to Diane smoked marijuana for insomnia and did drink on the weekends, but didn't drink, you know, the morning she left at the campground. Yeah. That doesn't mean she didn't drink the night before. Yep. I don't know. Personally, you can't avoid the facts. They are undeniable. Yep. The question here is what drove Diane to think that she can drink, smoke, and then drive almost two miles the wrong way. Mm -hmm. People have come up with so many theories, such as Diane had a tooth abscess, you know, and the infection traveled to her brain, which is a real thing. It is, yep. Down to she was suffering from an auto brewery syndrome, yep. which is when your body turns sugar and carbs into alcohol. I have a dear friend that suffers from this. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you one thing, this isn't something that just creeps up on you on a morning. Right. Uh, to her being a family annihilator, which means people who kill multiple members in their family due to stresses surrounding them and spouses and children to another one, which was murder-suicide. Right. So yeah, people are just throwing the theories out. Now, there is one popular theory that investigators came up with, which I completely agree with. Mm -hmm. I think it's the most accurate. Um, and that is that Diane was a functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. and possibly developed this habit from dealing with the stress of her family. A couple of drinks to stay afloat, they say, right? right. Suddenly becomes a daily necessity to get through the day. Personally, I have worked with people uh, who can go to lunch and down a half a bottle of JD mm -hmm. and then get back to their corporate office and nobody would know. Right. This is, it, this happens a lot. It does, yeah. Uh, she could have consistently drank each day and been at that legal level of intoxication mm -hmm. on a normal day. And it's very common for an alcoholic to hide their drinking, just like it's common for an addict to hide their drug use. Right. Remember when I said earlier, Diane didn't usually go to the camping weekends with the family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two days is a long time for somebody who is a functioning alcoholic without getting their fix. Sure. The beginning of an alcohol detox would set in within 12 hours. Mm -hmm. By 72 hours, you would be experiencing some type of post to mid withdrawal. Right. After a weekend, she would be ready to get her fix on. But during the withdrawal process, it's very common to become ill. Mm -hmm. Once she hits 72 hours, she may have experienced delirium tremens, which is DTs. Mm -hmm. And that causes shaking, confusion, and hallucinations. Okay, yeah. So maybe if that, I mean, that kind of makes sense, actually. If she would, mm -hmm. the confusion, the hallucinations, um, and then maybe she was stopped and she was just trying to, you know, get a quick fix and downed a bunch of vodka and all of the right. you know and by that time she's already hallucinating she's already not realizing she's going the wrong way on a highway right yeah personally i think she had the vodka in reaching distance in the car mm -hmm. a little would at least help her withdrawal symptoms and keep them at bay mm -hmm. i think when she left the last rest stop is probably when she did like you said possibly buy something from that cashier Mm -hmm. smoked some pot mm -hmm. i believe that's when her body started to metabolize the alcohol right right and that's when the kids noticed and so when emma called 
the dad the first time and said, hey, dad, we're fine. We're running a little bit behind. Diane seemed normal. You know, Warren wasn't any like. And then then there was one instance where she was driving erratically on the highway. Mm -hmm. Then they talked to Warren again at first. You know, Diane seems fine, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. And then, yeah, okay, something's wrong with anti-Diane. Okay. Yeah. So after the Sunoco gas station is when things started getting hairy. Right. Right. So once Warren told her to stay put, I think personally, remember who she is. She's the mom who takes care of everybody. She's in her mind, almost maybe a control freak due to her past trauma of her mother right. leaving her and abandonment issues. I don't need your help. <laughs> yeah. Having Warren saying he's going to pick her up. Maybe she freaked out. Mm -hmm. Maybe she knew at this point that her perfect world of her being the most reliable person was going to be shattered once Warren saw her driving intoxicated with his children. Right, right. I think more of that was going on. Right, I could see that, yeah. And as we know, in this family, they have a real strong ability to just ignore the obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, my opinion, Daniel knew of this, and it was easier to play stupid, deny, and try to save face than admit what happened. I don't know anything. I wasn't me. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know. Right. You know what? This man, he got a DUI in 91. Oh. Uh, in the HBO documentary. Right. Uh, Daniel stated he never wanted kids. Oh, my God. His sister stated during the documentary that he told her that he was mad at Diane for leaving him with Brian. Oh, my gosh. So let me ask you a question, Kat. Why is he so mad at Diane if he thought this was a medical emergency gone wrong? Absolutely. Because he was trying to save face. Yeah. He was trying to save face. HBO asked Daniel to ex exhume her body, test her hair to see if there was any type of long-term drug abuse going on. They were offering to pay him $100,000. He declined it. Wow. Yeah. I'll be honest. I mean... I probably would decline it too. But think about it this way, you know, in public opinion, if he were to accept the money, uh -huh. he's already said, I don't like I'm pissed at Diane for leaving Brian, like for because Brian survived and now I have to take care of him and his disabilities. Right. I mean, like he probably would have had a more of a negative opinion if he would have taken the $100,000. You know what I'm saying? And also, I think him accepting that offer is kind of putting him in a corner because at mm -hmm. this point, there's still in his brain a level of deniability right in june 2010 police released a final report the medical examiner on the case ruled the crash a homicide Ooh, yeah so it would have been ruled what like a murder suicide i guess so they did they did a vehicle reconstruction like a like an accident reconstruction mm -hmm. i imagine okay he said diane's driving was reckless and there was no seat belts and the kids didn't have seat belts on uh and this ultimately kills all the victims yeah, and driving 85 miles an hour. Uh, the DA then closed the case because he said that Diane is the one that's held responsible and she's dead. Right. The Bastardi family felt that there was a serious lack of justice going on. Okay. They're mad at the Schuler family for sure. just sitting there saying, nope, didn't happen. Nope. Right. Denying it. Yeah. Denying the obvious. Uh, they filed a lawsuit against Daniel and Warren for unspecified damages for reckless conduct. They had to add Warren to the lawsuit because he owned the car. Okay. Oh, sure. It was there. It was his minivan. Yeah. Daniel also tried to sue New York State for unsafe roads. He attached Warren to the lawsuit as well because the insurance company told him he needed to sue the uh, the owner of the car. How fucking insensitive is that? Right? 
I mean, he just lost his three kids. He lost his whole family. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. It's a shit show. Yeah. I'm happy that the judge saw through this and he settled one with the Pistardi family, but then he dropped everything else. Mm -hmm. In 2009, Governor Patterson proposed the Child Passenger Protection Act. This made it a felony to drive intoxicated with a passenger under the age of 16. So in addition to, I guess, driving while intoxicated or under the influence, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a felony. Oh, no, it's not. No, no, no. It's not. Okay, so that's a that is like a DUI or a misdemeanor. Well now, unless it's used like in this case where it was declared that it was a homicide um i think it probably would go up to the felony level it, i think it does it depends so the but the biggest difference between a misdemeanor and a felony mm-hmm. basically is the highest level of sentencing that you can get if you're convicted of one of those crimes if it's anything that's less than a year it's a misdemeanor as a max punishment mm-hmm. and anything over a year is a felony so i think it just depends on if there are other any circum- other circumstances well but a regular like just dui if you're you know you left the bar and you're going home you get pulled over right usually that's that's a misdemeanor yeah so i'm happy he did that Mm -hmm. the sad part is no one knows what happened to her the only survivor is her son and he was five and he doesn't remember anything and he also has severe brain damage from the crash Mm -hmm. there is a lot of speculation it's still a mystery here Mm -hmm. for some it's still a mystery here to me it's not (laughs) still a mystery it's pretty you know open and closed a lot of people would say i don't know what happened look at the evidence and Mm -hmm. that's how it happened yeah Warren and Jackie started the hands family foundation in honor of their three daughters this is to promote education of young girls on good self-esteem values and how to help others which is beautiful yeah in honor of their kids yeah mm-hmm. in some good news on October 11th 2011 the hands family welcomed a miracle baby <gasps> that's my birthday that's right it is not 2011 just a few years before that her name is Cassie Rose Aww. the family stated that even through this tragedy there was still a way to go on mm-hmm. there's a, a video of the interview with the mom and the mom was just like she brought the heartbeat back to my home oh uh, what happened to them is terrible well i mean in in Warren, yes, he lost his three daughters, but he also lost his sister. He lost a niece. Yeah. Almost lost a nephew. I mean, Warren was like, yeah. wow. And then to get sued for it because it was his van. Yeah. So what do you think about um, Diane Schuler? I honestly, I thought, well, maybe it'll sound familiar. Nope. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, the only other thing I can think of is during the time frame, probably when this was in the news is I was deploying a lot. So I didn't, I probably didn't pay much attention to like that kind of thing mm-hmm. but man that is insane and i you know regardless of whether or not she had a history of drug use and alcohol she had the equivalent of 10 drinks in her system at the time and t- like the toxicology doesn't lie to that no the fact that she had poor judgment and the kids weren't buckled up. Um, none of the kids were buckled up. The fact that Brian survived is a miracle in itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just insane. What a crazy story. I know. It's wow. just a lot. It's just, a, it's senseless. The it whole is. thing is senseless. And, you know, we don't know what she was thinking, but yeah. we, it's pretty clear to me. And I don't know about you, but it's pretty clear to me that there was an alcohol issue. Mm-hmm. And and we don't know what happened that morning when Daniel left. We don't know. There were discussions say, saying that they were 
fighting. I was going to say, were, were they fighting? Yeah. Were they fighting the whole weekend? I mean, mm -hmm. so he didn't want kids, but yet he goes camping with his two children and three nieces. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. all those babies. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I said there, there's some good news out of it. Anything. Mm -hmm. And that's how we have programs like this is, is when tragedy strikes. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have now awareness. There's laws that are passed. There's, you know, like the foundations that are created. It's just to, to help spread the awareness. And people don't drink and no, drive. No, don't drink and drive. Don't do it. Don't be dumb. Do not. Don't do it. Mm -mm. I mean, even if you're like, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just my, you know, no. You hurt ev You put every other every single person at risk who's on the road yeah. when you get behind the wheel and you drive so well i'm gonna post everything i have on patreon yes and because i don't want to leave you hanging i'll have more information on that after that crime chat yes and don't forget to follow us mm -hmm. just search crime chat with nat and cat on any of your social media or podcast needs right so we're on facebook instagram youtube twitter we are on google spotify apple anywhere you listen to your podcasts pick your area you want to listen to and also check out our merch that we're so proud of. Um, and be sure to check out our next episode. But before we do that, we are going to have another Crime Chat recap. Mm -hmm. And talk about um, kind of these last few episodes, what we liked about them, our most, you know, our most popular. Mm -hmm. Get your questions in. Ask us questions and we'll answer them on the Crime Chat recap. Yes. All right, guys. Well, don't drink and drive. <laughs> Do not drink and drive, please. Be good, chatters. We'll see you later. Bye.